Welcome, boils and ghouls, to Handle with Scare, a horror podcast brought to you by Tumbly Drunk and Vashti. Be sure to stay connected with us via social media on Twitter at Handle with Scare. You can email the show at handlewithscarepod at gmail.com and find more information on our website at www.handlewithscarepod.com. Now that we've gotten that out of the way, let me introduce you to my co-host back with me this week is Vashti. Vash, always good to sit down and chat. You know, uh, I would say we're hot off the heels of our 90s slasher edition of Twisted Tuesday, but uh, we're recorded on Monday, so I can't really say that. But uh, how, how, how are you vibing today? I know it's been a bit of a up and down here as of late. Yeah, but I'm doing good today. Monday was crazy, as always, uh, at the office. Um, at the home office, I guess, since we're still in quarantine. But, um, but yeah, uh, doing good today. Happy to be with you, Totem. As always, my PIC, so we can record an awesome episode of Handle with Scare. And so, yeah, everything's good. All right, so it's been a little bit of time since we last sat down and released a new episode. There was uh, some pretty big news in regards to uh, festival releases or just festival news. We got the announcement of the Fantasia Film Festival, which is moving completely online this year, but that's kind of geo-locked for uh, residents of Canada, so unfortunately, not going to be able to do that despite how awesome of a lineup they have. Uh, I don't have it in the show notes, but I will be linking the announcement of the festival for any Canadian listeners out there that are looking at doing this. And, uh, you know, part of the reason why they did that this year uh, is obviously due to the pandemic. And the reason that they geolocked it to Canadian residents is just the fact that for their show wins, it's basically premieres uh, like it would be in a theater. So they only allow, you know... X number of tickets to be sold per screen and so uh bummed you know we gotta miss out on some awesome movies on that front uh but we do have some other festival news and that is that we have the train to busan sequel peninsula uh heading to cans as an official selection now peninsula uh, is supposed to be getting a release later this year through wellgo usa now, the film is set four years after uh, the events of Train to Busan. This is after South Korea's decimation. Uh, you have Jeon Suk, uh, a soldier who previously escaped the diseased wasteland, uh, relives the horror when assigned to a covert operation with two simple objectives, retrieve and survive. Uh, his team unexpectedly stumbles upon other survivors, and their lives are going to depend on whether... The best or worst of human nature prevails in the direct uh, of the circumstances there. So I have to say, Vash, you know, looking back, I know we've definitely watched this one uh, on prior Twisted Tuesdays. And when we're talking about recent standouts, specifically not just the horror, but the zombie subgenre... You know, Train to Busan definitely brought a lot of different takes to this genre. So, you know, even if you compare it to other Korean cinema or you compare it to a lot of the other zombie features that we have had here as of late, uh, Train to Busan is really holding kind of like its own. Like, it's kind of like the champion here in recent years. So how excited are you 
uh, to get your hands on this sequel and this follow-up. I am very excited. When we first watched it on Twisted Tuesday, I didn't know what to expect. Um, It was one of my first times seeing um, a movie like this, a horror movie like this. And it was out of this world, crazy and trippy. And I loved it. I loved everything about it. So I didn't know, actually, that they were coming out with a a sequel um, until recently. And I'm very happy to see it. I can't wait for us to watch it um, when it does come out. Um, and I can't wait to see what Can says about it and everything like that so we can get more information before it does get released to us and, and everything like that. I don't know if we'll be able to actually buy tickets to Cannes or if it's going to be like, because you know how we're social distancing right now. Mm-hmm. And some uh, film or some, uh, what was it, uh, some film conventions and so like that um, are being put on um, virtual or being done virtually. Um, So I don't know if we'll be able to watch this virtually um, through cans, if they're going to limit it, you know, for how many people are going to be able to be there because of social distancing and put like tickets online that we could possibly purchase, you know, to see like we did the last one. Yeah, I I don't know if that's actually the case. I'm trying to see if... I don't think so, but it's something that we could possibly wish for, you know, maybe. I, I'm i not seeing any details on that other than what the lineup is, so <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I'll definitely be looking into that later, but fingers crossed. And, you know, worst case, it doesn't sound like we're going to have to be waiting that long. Uh, but no. for those... For those that haven't seen Train to Busan, like, this is a definite recommend. I know they did do kind of like an animated prequel, uh, which is Soul Station. I've not actually gotten around to that one, but last I saw, I believe it was streaming on Shudder. Uh, I'll okay. to, I'll just see if that's still the case. Uh, but it does not follow your traditional zombie tropes, Uh and, you know, definitely some eye-opening scenes. And uh, really, it's there's a lot of, like, heartfelt sequences in this movie in particular. So uh, you might want to have tissues at the ready, depending on how emotional of a person you are. <laughs> uh, but this, de- this one definitely does hit you in the feels, and I cannot wait to see it. And I, I have to say, like, I know the trailer is out there. And this is one movie... I purposely avoided the trailer for because I'm just so excited about it and I want to kind of go in not really knowing what they're doing. So I'm going to try to avoid it as much as I can before I see it for the first time. Whether or not that's actually going to happen remains to be seen, but I'm going to I'm going to hold on to this while I still can. So speaking of sequels, uh, well, I don't technically this is a direct sequel, so to speak. Uh, but this is part of an upcoming trilogy that is looking to conclude. Let's talk a little bit about what is going on with Kevin James and his, I, I think it's the Great North trilogy is what they're calling it. It's something like, or the True North, because uh, it is all Canadian-based horror. Uh, so Kevin James has been working on his Jaws spoof, which is Moose Jaws. During quarantine, this is the third and final film in this Canada set horror trilogy, which also includes films like Tusk and Yoga Hosers. Now, right now he's doing a ton of rewrites. I know originally he had Jay and Silent Bob 
uh, plan to make an appearance in it. But due you to the Kevin re- Smith, right? Yes. Okay. I misspoke, didn't I? <laughs> that's because I I watched Becky, and that's still on my mind. But oh, yes. Okay. So like, Kevin Smith like, <laughs> coming out with a. I was like, I didn't know he did. Okay. <laughs> my bad. Uh, but basically. No, it's okay. That's what we're here for, right? Yeah. Basically. To off each other. Yep. <laughs> so Jane, and Bob gone due to the rewrite, so they're not going to be making an appearance in the film now. What, what we do know is that Jay and Silent Bob are going to be back, uh, not in Moose Draws, but they will be coming back in the Mallrat sequel, which Kevin Smith is also working on. And yes. out, outside of that, all we know is that Justin Lon's character, Tusk, is going to be fighting this killer moose in this no movie. <laughs> Oh my gosh, I haven't seen anything about this yet, really. That and I followed, you know, Kevin Smith and Jason Mewes on on Instagram and Twitter. I guess I have been like keep stepping away from it just a little bit and stuff like that, and just trying to get out and about and do some hiking or whatever. So I should probably look into this now because oh my gosh, Tusk! Oh my gosh, that movie! Oh, that hurt me so bad. I was like so sad watching that movie. You I know, felt for Justin Long. Yeah, you you definitely feel for his character, especially once he's in the bodysuit uh, towards the end of the movie. Yeah, uh, yeah towards the end. But I, I know a lot of people that have looked back at Tusk and Yoga Hosers not really liking either of them that much. I, I think, like, they're fine Yoga standalone Hoser. films, but there's definitely mm-hmm. quite a bit of absurdity to both movies, and it does get fairly over the top. And, you know, just based off of the fact that we're going to have a showdown between a walrus and a moose, uh, I don't think that is going to be lessened by any stretch of the imagination in Moose Jaws. Uh, But, you know, I'm curious to see how this one's going to be. But I will say, I was kind of let down by the Jane Silent Bob reboot that they did here recently. So I'm kind of more cautiously optimistic going into this next project. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm still gonna, I'm still going to enjoy it. Tusk, it was like, uh, like, I was like, freaked, like, that one was trippy to me. It was good to an extent, but it was trippy. But, like, Yoko Hosers, I actually really, 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 I like that one a lot. Like, I've watched it several times. I don't care. That movie's good. <laughs> the movie's hella good. So I'm looking forward to Moose Jaws fighting Tusk. Oh my gosh, I can't believe I just said that. <laughs> <laughs> I I only hope that the uh, effects for Moose Jaws are going to be as ridiculous as Tusk is. So we'll have to wait and see on that front. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, that's not the only sort of transformation that we'll be seeing here soon, because we also have an update on the Wolfman. Now, Universal is honestly, you know, they're hoping to cash in on the recent success of The Invisible Man by bringing on a new take of Wolfman. And who have they approached to take on this iconic role? They've turned to Ryan Gosling. Oh, okay. So, uh, uh, basically what we know right now is they're currently looking for a director. 
Uh, it does seem like they have like a front runner in Corey Finley, who did Bad Education. I'm not familiar with Corey, so I can't really speak too much on that. Uh, but the screenplay was handled by Lauren Shuker Blum and Rebecca Angelo, and is going to be set in present times and in the vein of Jake Gyllenhaal's Nightcrawler, with an obvious supernatural twist. Okay. Now, here, here's the thing about this, uh, you know, the classic Universal monsters. I remember a point in time when Universal was really hoping to go all in on, you know, the cinematic universe. And I'm sure, you know, they were hoping to see the same sort of success as Marvel, which was never going to happen. And they're like, okay, we're, we're going to try to make this work. Fast forward to 2017, and then they have this reimagination of The Mummy that came out, starring Tom Cruise. And that movie did so poorly, not only in the box office, uh, but both critically, the Rotten Tomatoes, even like by the audience, was really bad. That Universal put that entire idea in the waste bin because it did so poorly. And they they only recently went to focus in on these standalone projects like what we got with the Invisible Man. Now, now going back to the Wolfman, obviously uh, the last time we saw the Wolfman was in 2010, and that one was directed by Joe Johnston, and that starred Benicio Del Toro. Now, that one did okay. Uh, I will say it did not make back its budget. Uh, the movie grossed $143 million, which isn't terrible, but the budget was $150 million, and it's uh, quite a bit off, considering that you usually have to make double your budget in order to come out ahead in that regard. But I guess the caveat here being that the movie did earn an Academy Award for Best Makeup for that year. But I don't know about you, Vash, but, you know, when I think of the Wolfman, you know, there, there's always this dynamic of them wanting to uh, put ugly on something beautiful. And they, they turn to Ryan Gosling to do that. So I, I can see what they're doing, but I, okay. I'm, I'm kind of conflicted here. Yeah, I when when we when you started talking about it at first, I was like, um, and when I saw it up on you know on our our notes about what we were going to talk about and everything like that, and how they and yes, and how they have told us that this is who's going to be the Wolfman. I was like, I don't see him as the Wolfman though. Like for me, watching like the other Wolfman movies and stuff like that, it has usually been like not a really big name star, but also like. Not too handsome, but not too, like, just a, a nice-looking man or whatever um, and stuff like that. But a good actor, you know, in their own right and everything like that. But I don't know. I can't know. I, I can't see Ryan Gosling as the Wolfman. And in, in that sense, I'm not saying just Ryan Gosling. Like, I couldn't see Hugh Jackman as the Wolfman. I couldn't see Chris Hemsworth as the Wolfman or Robert Downey Jr. I couldn't see any of these guys as the Wolfman. Like maybe somebody like, like I could see Bruce Campbell as the Wolfman. That would be awesome. That would actually be pretty cool. Sorry. Thank you. 
<laughs> I'm like, oh, that would be awesome. <laughs> and I can think of like a few others that I could think that would be good as like Wolfman and stuff like that. Like, yeah, but not not Ryan Gosling. I can't. We'll give it a chance and stuff, but mm, we don't know. Yeah, at the end of the day, really the biggest thing to appease the fans is getting the transformation scene right. You know, I, I don't want to see heavy CGI. We want practical effects. Uh-huh. Yeah. And, it, and if they go the CGI route, there is going to be a lot of backlash and people will refuse to watch this movie. So... Mm-hmm. Yes, we well, 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 it's it's a tread carefully type of project, as is honestly really any classic Universal monster movie. But you know, I have to say, like the Invisible Man, absolutely blew me away uh, mm-hmm. when I watched that in theaters. I actually took my nephew; that was his first in theater horror experience, uh, which is pretty cool. Uh, so. I, I'm I'm gonna hold it to that standard going in, based off of how well the Invisible Man did and the amount of early praise that it got. Uh, but you know what they should look at, What's and that? I know, and I know it's like you know a funny, goofy horror movie kind of or whatever. But I loved the Wolfman in the movie The Monster Squad. Okay, I loved how they made him change. You know when when the transformation happened and so like that, all of that was really great to me. And how, like, he would get out on his knees and stuff like that. And you could see, you know, all this hair coming out of his skin. And then the way they did it. They should, I'm, I hope they go back and look at that. And see. And then, you know, the other movies. Mm-hmm. And, and everything. But I did like that Wolfman. Yeah, don't go the creep show series route of no. having a transformation and then just do comic stills. <laughs> No. <laughs> oh my gosh, I'm so agitated about that. Like, I, I understand yeah. why they did it, because budget reasons, but... <sighs> for as good as that short was, so like, that decision alone definitely knocked it down a peg or two, uh, in my mind. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but yeah. we'll, we'll wait and see. Uh, see what they're gonna do with this particular project. Uh, but, you know, I have to say, like, if the mummy kind of, like, shied them away from this cinematic universe i wonder if that means they're going to save that one for last in regards to like these standalone movies possibly so so that they can come out with these other ones first and then um, then they can go back to the mummy and hopefully everybody forgot about the mummy movies before or they will have a fresh app they'll have a fresh um picture Mm -hmm. now in their head from doing these other standalones and then they do the mummy the last then the mummy last. They're like, oh, this is a new take on the mummy. And since we had these standalones, this mummy might turn out really good if they do really good with you know the Wolfman and stuff like that. See, and and this is where they went wrong with the last mummy in 2017. It wasn't a movie about the mummy. It was a Tom Cruise action movie. <laughs> like, yes, that's exactly what it was. Uh, so. Don't let's not go down that road again. You no, know, do do it anywhere. right the first time, and uh, you know, like I think these movies are fine as standalones. We don't need the whole connected universe. But you know what? If they want, if they want to go back and do another Monster Squad, I'm not going to be opposed to it or just some form of 
you know, a mashup of these classic monsters. Okay, they can do standalones, but if they come, I don't know, I don't want them to remake Monster Squad. They can just have standalones. <laughs> they can have Swamp Thing, they can have standalone, well, they've had a ton of standalone vampire, or um, Dracula movies and stuff like that. Um, and they've had quite a few different, you know, kind of not really standalone Frankenstein movies. They have, but like in recent years, they've had, you know, like Van Helsing. Mm-hmm. You know, that wasn't super recent, but it was like, you know, a while ago, but it was, it was in our recent years, like in the past, like, what was it? 10, 15 years? 15? I, I just, I can't even remember when that movie came out. I can't, ch- I'll check. Hold on. <laughs> well, either way, like if you guys want to watch the Monster Squad, we are going to be showing it on Twisted Tuesday at the end of the month on June 30th, along with Nightbreed. So that's going to be an awesome double feature. Yes. So join us then if you want to see how they do the Wolfman transformation uh, yep. in the Monster Squad. Yes, please join us. Now, outside of that, obviously, uh, a lot of stuff has been happening here as of late. It is Pride Month, so happy Pride Month to everyone out there. And Happy Pride Month, everybody. I, I thought this would be a good week to kind of, like, shine a little bit of light on some of our favorite LGBTQ horror movies. Uh, now, oh, there's goodness. definitely a lot that come to mind. I narrowed mine down to three and, you know, I don't know if you want to, like, chime in on, like, what your thoughts are are on these particular films. Uh, oh but the first two that I did were kind of unconventional in the sense that uh, the first one kind of happened by accident uh, in this case, and that is The Babadook. So this was originally listed on Netflix's LGBTQ section. Uh, and the community really began to identify with the titular uh, creature in the movie, and they really embraced the Babadook as a symbol for gay resilience in the face of homophobic family values. Now, you know, there's also the part where, you know, the creature's kind of confined to the basement uh, with the family knowing that it's there but refusing to welcome it, uh, which... Definitely speaks a lot there. Uh, and it's kind of like in the same vein as uh, another one that I selected that was Let the Right One In, uh, which came out in, oh, yeah. in 2008. Uh, that one also had a remake that was actually, uh, honestly, like one of the better Americanized remakes in Let Me In. Both yeah. are really good movies. Uh, but Let the Right One In has these heavy themes of loneliness, uh, of bullying, isolation, and it really kind of like explores gender, uh, and that's something that most films don't really get into. And it, I know at one point in Let the Right One In, Oscar is asking Ellie to be his girlfriend, and Ellie just kind of like looks at him and responds that she's not a girl. Mm-hmm. Uh, so those are two that are more not quite conventional, so to speak, uh, but... I will say I did sit down here this past week and I watched the Scream Queen documentary that was released on Shudder. And that documentary is definitely a heavy hitter. Uh, A lot of emotions in that one. And of course, that ties directly into Nightmare on Elm Street 2. Yes. So for those that don't really know kind of like the backstory of this, you had... 
Uh, the main actor in this movie was Mark Patton, uh, who at the time was closeted, uh, and he starred as the film's final boy. Or screen queen, depending on how you want to, what terminology you want to use here. Uh, but, you know, they were talking a lot about as they were making this movie and how there was a lot of, like, gay subtext to it. You know, there's... Uh, really, like, there's leather bars, you got the male shower scene that definitely stands out, some dance sequences and things like that. But I, I, I cannot recommend the Scream Queen documentary enough. It is streaming right now on Shudder, and I know Shudder also has their LGBTQ uh, collection as well, which has a ton of awesome uh, offerings there as well. So definitely go check that one out. Yes, But that, that documentary definitely had me go and very emotional film uh to see kind of like the journey mark Patton kind of like went through uh both with you know dealing with homophobia at the time as a uh, closeted gay uh and you know it goes through the whole uh i'm trying to think how i should word this uh well basically like there was a lot of, like, distrust between Mark Patton and the writer because the writer was constantly trying to put the film's, like, lack of success on Mark for for being gay. And it really wasn't really the reason why the film didn't do that well. It was It was really driven by a lot of, like, hateful comments and just homophobia directed towards Mark Patton at the time. Uh, so it kind of, like, goes through all the aftermath of that. You know, it does kind of, like, uh, go through some of, like, the reunion stuff at some of the horror cons. Uh, and Mark does eventually uh, sit down one-on-one -on -one with the writer as well to kind of, like, bury the hatchet, so to speak. So definitely go check that one out. Uh, but outside of that, Vosh, you know, anything else that really comes to mind uh, for you here? Um, no, you touched on all the ones that I was going to touch on. So I think we're good. Um, we should, I just wanted to let everybody know to just go check out Shudder, like you said earlier, um, because they have a really good collection of horror, um, LGBTQ, um, IA, um, uh, movies, uh, horror movies for you to watch. So yeah, please go check them out. All right. So and, happy, and happy Pride Month. Absolutely. I know a lot of people have been celebrating <laughs> already on that front. Uh, so this week we're going to do things a little bit differently for our now playing segment. And that is the fact that uh, we, have, we actually have two reviews tonight. We're going to be reviewing One Cut of the Dead as well as Urban Legend. Now, I will preface this. I am not going to spoil too much of One Cut of the Dead because... If we were to do the body count, it would look really weird. And for those that have seen the movie, you probably know why. But there there are a lot of things that tie into one cut of the dead uh, that are best experienced really not knowing anything going into the movie. So when we look at one cut of the dead, the movie basically follows this small, low-budget film crew who are shooting a horror movie in uh, basically like this disused water filtration plant. And as you're shooting, it becomes evident that this location was once used by the Japanese army in order to reanimate dead soldiers during the war. 
and soon the movie makers are beset by zombies uh, out for their flesh. So I have to say, like, going into this movie, there's definitely a lot of things that go awry, uh, you know, like typical, like, <laughs> like any film crew out there. There's a lot of love in this movie uh, for indie filmmaking, which is one of the one of the key things to know going in. And it's more it's not like flat out horror. It definitely falls more in line with horror comedy. Uh, yes. And this movie was extremely low budget. Uh, so rather than doing the body count, let, let's talk about some of the interesting tidbits about One Cut of the Dead. And we'll do our spoiler free review at the end here. So for references and other tidbits from the movie, um, it only cost $25,000 to make, which is pretty cool. Actually, um, the movie grossed $30.5 million worldwide, so they made a ton of profit, and it did very well. Uh, the first 37 minutes of the movie was shot in one take. How awesome is that? Yes, and it's important to note, when you watch this movie, they do roll credits at that 37-minute mark. That is not the end of the movie. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so when they did that, that I was like, wait, what? And then I was like, okay, wait, no, this is not the end of the movie. And we, you know, it, it, it keeps going. So yeah, so that was kind of a little trippy thing, um, but actually pretty cool. Um, also, One Cut of the Dead is a student film, which I could tell by watching it to an extent. I was like, this, sound, this looks like it would be a student film. I was like, it also was the final product of an acting and directing workshop, ENBU seminar. So that's fun tidbit to know. Um, also, the scene where the director berates berates the actress for not being sufficiently terrified is a reference to The Shining. Totally understood that. Um, Stanley Kubrick bullied Shelley Duvall to get a better performance out of her. So just an FYI, if you guys didn't know that. Yeah, so basically what we have here is uh, a lot of love towards indie filmmaking. The fact that, you know, this only costs $25,000 to make, that's really, you know, when you watch it, you'll understand uh, because it, it's not it's not too heavy in regards to, like, tons of, like, special effects or anything like that. Everything's practical effects. Uh, mm -hmm. Very low budget. But to make $30.5 million worldwide is absolutely astronomical for something with that size of budget uh it, yeah. it, it kind of like reminded me well at least like budget to like gross wise kind of reminiscent of what we saw of like the Blair Witch Project when that came out true uh but yeah. you know when when we're looking at this movie you know it does kind of go through a couple of different acts uh, and, you know, you kind of, like, go through, like, the first 37 minutes of the movie, and you see things happening one way, and then kind of evolves from that. And, you know, if you only watch the first 37 minutes of the movie, you're not getting to see the whole picture, uh, both in the sense of the whole film, or everything that's kind of, like, happening around it. But there are a lot of things that happen wrong in this movie. Uh, and kind of like the way things unfold I thought was one of the most 
clever things I have seen in any horror movie. Which is why this is such a hard movie to kind of review and not spoil. Uh, so it's very unconventional in its approach because you're basically watching a movie of people making a movie, which is basically going to air on TV. <laughs> and it's just like, it's a layer after layer after another layer. And, you know, this is this is a prime example for, for any filmmaker out there, someone that wants to get into filmmaking, that you don't have to have a giant budget to make a good movie. You know, just keep at it, you know, put the work in, and as long as you surround yourself with people who are, are looking to do the same or have the same... Uh, similar like goal in mind uh that similar you know passions exactly that you know you'll make it through and you know just don't just don't let things collect dust because like there are so many great ideas out there that just get either completely recycled or just never you know see the light of day or they never get off the storyboard uh so if i'm gonna re if i'm gonna like give this a score out of what how about we be doing like five i think I thought we were doing four. Or are we doing four? Okay, so if we're doing four, you know, this movie has a lot of heart in it. It definitely speaks volumes, and it's very unconventional. It's gonna... I can promise you guys, it's not going to be like anything else that you have seen. This is also Japan horror comedy, so keep that in mind. There are subtitles that I know for, you know, some listeners that... That might be a bit of an issue, but trust me, it is well worth it, even if you're not used to foreign horror out there. But I, I would definitely give this a perfect score, just because every time I sit down and watch it, I come to appreciate the process of filmmaking more and more, and I, there, there's so much heart in it. So something like this movie cannot be denied, and I do know as I had mentioned to you earlier, that they did kind of do kind of like a, a, a sequel, so to speak, during the pandemic. Now, I haven't actually watched it yet, but it's like 30 minutes. I'll definitely link it in the show notes. But if you have seen One Cut of the Dead, definitely, you know, go check out, you know, what they've been working on uh, remotely. Okay, now what is your review? What are you giving them out of four? Yeah, I said uh, I'm giving it a perfect four of four. Oh, are you? Yep. Okay. I'm a little bit different. Um, as it was a cute, funny, it was a good, you know, I like the fact that it was a indie film um, or a student film. I do like the fact that it was low budget and they made a lot of movie and it did very well. Um, I'm still only going to give it 2.7 for me because I was just, I was not as happy with the zombies as I wanted it to be. Okay. But it's okay. It's a student film. So, and they've done great. They For that, they've done really good, and I'm going to check out their other stuff for now, you know, going forward. So, for me, it's 2.7 out of 4. Yeah, this film crew does have a new movie premiered at Fantasia Film Festival. Uh, I don't have all the information on hand, unfortunately. Primarily because, well, I'm not able to virtually attend Fantasia, so, like, my interest kind of, like, went to the wayside on that front. Uh, but yeah. their next film is one of the premieres that is happening there. Uh, yeah. 
And now on to the next. Let's talk Urban Legends. And I, I will let you know, Vash, when I first watched Urban Legend, oh, sorry. Mm-hmm. I was not a fan of this movie. And this was kind of like in my heyday when I was first getting into horror, you know, in the in the early 90s. And my infatuation with Scream was through the roof. I was definitely in that camp that there were too many things that treaded too close to Scream. That it kind of soured my taste of this movie. So with that in mind, obviously I'll share my review and whatnot later. Okay. But why don't we quickly go over the plot and we'll talk about some of the death scenes with this week's body count. Okay. So for Urban Legend, the plot of this horror movie is a slasher is a university is beset it's a university beset by a rash of gruesome murders that resemble old urban legends uh when her friend michelle is killed by someone um hiding in the back of her um natalie begins to notice a pattern her suspicions grow stronger when her own roommate is strangled to death um, so quiet. So the quiet college campus is transformed into hunting grounds for a maniac. Um, and Natalie struggles to find the killer and stop the bloodshed before she becomes the next the next victim. And of course, people are not believing her when she's telling her that when she realizes that this is is probably a person trying to create all of the other murders that happened in the past. And so like that. And nobody on campus really wants to believe her story. So let's see. Um, for me, um, this came out when literally I was like in high school. I'm going to tell my age, I guess, whatever. <laughs> um, or close to it. So a lot of the songs in it like hit me. I'm like, oh no, I used to have this <laughs> song, these songs on my, and I still do. I still have them on my iTunes. Well, I, like back then I used to have CDs of them. Now I have them on my iTunes and stuff like that. And I was just like, oh my gosh, this is so funny. Um, I also liked that it had, you know, um, Jared Leto in it um, because I love Jared Leto. Um, I loved him before, like he, he was in 30 Seconds to Mars and all these other movies. He used to be on a show called My So-Called Life. And my best, or not my best friend, my cousin used to love him. And I was like, yeah, he's, he's pretty good, you know, and stuff like that. And then I saw him in other movies and I was just like, oh my gosh, he's awesome, right? Um, so I did like that. Um, there are a lot of things that I don't like about this slasher movie because, um, like Totem said, he was into Scream as a slasher movie back then. I was into more, like, gory, like, you know, uh, you know um, Texas Chainsaw remakes and everything like that and in all the freddy remakes nightmare on elm street nightmare on elm street remix and uh zombie and ghoul remakes and stuff like that or ghoul movies and horror and those zombie movies that came out so for me i was just like eh. but i watched it i liked it not just you know on twisted tuesday last weekend but i watched it when i was younger Mm -hmm. so there's that so let's get to the body count shall we um the first, um, the first person um, is Michelle Manzini. She's beheaded with an axe while driving in her car in the rain on a night that's all crazy. Um, with the person in her backseat, by the way. That's what starts all of this with her best friend. Uh, Damon Brooks, he's hung from a tree and strangled with a rope 
noose tied to a car. Damon is then dropped onto the car windshield. Um, after that, we have Tosh, Guinieri, Guinieri, I think it's Guinieri. Um, this is this happens off screen, off screen, uh, where they're strangled in the bedroom and the wrists are cut. Um, Dean Adams, uh, his heels are slit uh, with a switchblade, ran over by a car on top of tire spikes. That does not sound fun. <laughs> um, after that, we have number five, which is Parker Riley. Um, head bashed against a toilet. Um, a, fu- a funnel was shoved down his throat and force-fed pop rocks, uh, drain cleaner, and down his throat until he dies. Um, number six would be Sasha's assistant. Uh, back impaled with a switchblade. Number seven would be Sasha Thomas, who's hacked up three times with an axe. Also, not fun. None of these are fun. (laughs) Um, Number eight would be Professor Wexler, impaled repeatedly uh, with a a switchblade. And then number nine, the last one, would be the janitor. Uh, The pickup truck ran off the road by by a Jeep. where the supposed killer is in and was mangled and they were mangled in the crash. Yeah. Now I will note there was one other kill in this movie and I honestly didn't know whether or not I should include it in the body count because it was not a human because <laughs> there was a dog that does That's get, true. does get microwaved uh, and oh, yeah. gets blown oh, yeah, up inside the microwave by the killer. Oh. Uh, yes, so, nine if we're only counting humans, ten if we're counting any sort of kill in a movie. Uh, but, you know, I think yeah. traditionally we're talking, you know, human lives here uh, on the line in horror. So, I, I think we just go with the nine. There we go. Yes. Now, now, that being said, when it comes to this, honestly, like a lot of the 90s slashers, there are a ton of references and other tidbits to urban legends. And now I do know that they initially had pegged Sarah Michelle Geller to star in this, but she had to back out due to scheduling conflicts with Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Uh, now she was set to play the role of Sasha in this movie. Uh, they also initially kind of like penned it to take place in the middle of winter. Uh, and, you know, rather than deciding to drop that aspect completely out of the story altogether, they decided to keep the killer's outfit based off of that premise, which is why you still see that heavy winter coat being worn by the killer. Uh-huh. Uh, now, we do have some some pretty, you know, big horror icons in this movie. Uh, you have Robert England, who plays the Professor, professor William Wexler. Uh, mm-hmm. And in his university office, you can find a Freddy Krueger puppet, uh, which is kind of like shown right before they show the prop X. Uh, not necessarily a prop X, because it is used in the kill later on in the movie. Uh, outside of that, we also see Brenda wearing a blue ribbon around her neck towards the end of the film. And it's kind of like another reference to another urban legend about a girl whose head would fall off. Who should she remove the ribbon? <laughs> uh, 
I, I, I don't think they would actually go that route based off of how the way the movie ended. Uh, but, you know, I, I like that there were nods to other urban legends that don't directly tie into a death in the movie. So bonus points for that. Uh, we also get to hear I Don't Want to Wait from Dawson's Creek playing when Damon ends up taking Natalie uh, to the spot uh, in the woods. Uh, and the person that plays Damon is actor Joshua Jackson, uh, who starred in Dawson's Creek. So a lot of a lot of tie-ins uh, in that regard. Okay, just an FYI, that one song was not on my playlist. From <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. It was more of the Power Man Five Thousand. <laughs> right. You know all the metal. <laughs> right. Or, or rock and stuff like that. Those ones, not that one. Yeah, so, so basically things that uh, Daniel Harris was listening to in Urban Legend. Yeah. Because she was going through her metal phase in this movie. Uh, and also, yeah. she was heavily smoking uh, due to this movie. So basically, Daniel Harris had to quit smoking uh, after she was originally, like, really thrilled to be allowed to smoke while working. But then she realized, well, I'm going to have to be smoking while we're shooting all of these scenes. Uh, which just meant that she was having to smoke for hours all day during the shoot. <laughs> and it kind of, like, turned her oh off. Oh, my God. Uh, so, you know what they say. Be careful what you wish for. <laughs> uh, and, yeah. you know, as I noted, you know, we do have, you know, two pretty big horror icons that star in this movie. You, you had Robert England and Brad Dorif is also in Urban Legends. So, yes. quite a bit of star power here. Uh, now, let's get to the review. So, okay. you know, as as I preface, like when I when I first watched this movie in the 90s, I I was torn. Um, I had a lot of issues with it just because it does share a lot of similarities to Scream. And, you know, like we, we also watch I Know What You Did Last Summer uh, with Urban Legend, mm -hmm. which is also kind of based on an urban legend in itself, mm -hmm. which also has a lot of similarities to Scream, Scream uh, primarily due to the fact that, you know, the writer Kevin Williamson also penned Scream. And I know what you did last summer. And there's a lot of stuff that kind of, like, directly relates to Scream and Scream 2. That's kind of, like, the same in Urban Legends. So I kind of, like, take a similar approach to both of these movies. Uh, now, between the two, I definitely have a preference of I know what you did last summer. But I did find myself appreciating Urban Legend more, uh, really knowing a lot more to the backstory of some of the, the Urban Legends that they, uh, that they kind of, like, focused on. Like, at the time, I didn't really understand some of the references. Like, as a kid, like... I I knew about Pop Rocks, but I didn't really know the whole urban legend about mixing it with, like, a carbonated soda or cola or whatever. Yeah. Uh, but, like, that stuff, like, that, that sort of, like, knowledge came years later. So, like, I didn't really get that scene and get the joke uh, that was happening with, uh, oh, it's Parker. The, probably the most deserved kill in this entire movie by far, and it was oh, yeah. definitely the most brutal one, because yes. <laughs> uh, yes. it does involve Pop Rocks and uh, the Drano getting shoved down his throat through the funnel in that regard. Uh, but, like, for me, 
obviously I have a soft spot for for the the actresses in I know what you did last summer compared to to Urban Legend. <laughs> uh, so so you know that that automatically <laughs> puts it above. But you know the the more I watch Urban Legend, the the more it does bring me back to the '90s. You know the '90s slashers definitely feel dated <laughs> with some of the yeah, stuff that happens, <laughs> which which isn't necessarily a bad thing. Uh, it's more of a more of a flashback and not not more one that you're just like rolling your eyes like I can't believe we did that. Like I mean, yeah. I I guess in some cases it could be like with like I don't know like say like. The male crop tops of like the eighties, oh. <laughs> in some cases. Oh no! <laughs> uh, but but for me, I I appreciate the fact that every kill that was in this movie tied directly to urban legends. So they suck with the theme throughout, which isn't necessarily something that we always get to see. But I wish they didn't focus so heavily on the switchblade when it came to the kills. Like, they had some unique kills, but then they overly relied on that in particular. So that definitely, like, knocks it down a peg for me. Because Mm -hmm. there were quite a few kills that just kind of, like, fell flat or didn't really feel like it had too much of an impact at the time. Whether it was who was getting killed on screen or just the way that it happened. So this one is just kind of, like, so-so for me. You know, there were some really great kills in the movie. There were some unmemorable memorable things that happened uh so if i'm gonna rate it out of four this one's kind of like right in the middle i would give it two stars uh but i i definitely appreciate it more now than i did when i first saw the movie okay i'm gonna go with two and a half stars (laughs) because just like you said i do like the way that every kill is tied to the urban legend so that's like my favorite parts of the movies um, when it happens, um, it would have been two, but I give it 2.5 because of Jared Leto. <laughs> <laughs> um, other than that, like the other, most of the other actors in that movie, I was just like, I was not like, com- they didn't convince me mm-hmm. with their acting as much, you know? And I was like, ugh, okay. But I'll give it two and a half. Yeah, I, re- I remember when we were watching this and I saw Michael Rosenbaum on screen. I was like, man, like, it's so weird oh. seeing him with hair after seeing him on Smallville playing Lex Luthor for all those years. For so many years. <laughs> it's just like, I forgot oh he gosh. actually had I hair used, at one point. I used to watch Smallville ritually when it came out on TV. I was just like, oh, me and my old friend, uh, she and I uh, lived right next door to each other. We used to have our date night. Where mm-hmm. she, I'd go over to her house or she'd come over to my house because we lived in like a townhouse or something like that right next to each other. And literally, we would go over each other's house for Smallville and Supernatural. I think it was. Yeah. And then Smallville ended and then it was Supernatural and another show. Mm-hmm. I forget which one. But anyway, yeah, that was our date night. <laughs> Smallville and Supernatural. But yeah. But yes, it's, it's crazy seeing him with her. <laughs> uh, so this is going to be a little bit weird because it is a Monday recording but we do have Twisted Tuesday tomorrow Yes. Uh, so luckily this episode will be out uh, the night of recording if not early morning on Tuesday so if you listen to it on release day you'll know what we're watching and you know if not just you know check out the uh, the lineup via our website uh, but tomorrow yeah. we have 
uh, an 80s double feature. We're kicking things off with Judd, which was released in 1984, and we will follow that by the return of the living dead at 1985. And of course, you know, if you want to find the rest of our lineup for the month, it is available on our website. Uh, one, one week of which I kind of already spoiled for you guys and that, uh, earlier, so <laughs> definitely keep that in mind, but we hope you guys can make it out there, and, you know, if not this week, next week, whatever, you know, the room is open, it's not private, so, you know, you can come and go as you please, save for one, save for both, say as long as you want. Yep. But come chat with us. Yes, please, and thank you. All right, so... so- we're coming to a closing of this show and I wanted to go over some things before we um, before we leave you for today um, and for episode 5 um, please be sure to head over to our iTunes and write us a review uh, we're really we're always looking for new ways to improve the show and to make for a better listening experience for you so please go over and, and let us know what you think and give us feedback um, if you like any if you would like to have any segment ideas to be added to the show or things you'd just like to see added to the podcast, feel free to reach out to us. If you guys have any ideas when it comes to movies, we should possibly add to our Twisted Tuesday and something like that, that we haven't already talked about or done or, or, or watched or anything like that, please let us know um, over on our iTunes and write a review and let us know, please. Yeah, absolutely. Maybe something we can do too is... Let's say we stick to these heavy themes for Twisted Tuesday. Maybe we pit the movies against one another in our reviews and set Ooh, like, score and, like scoring criteria based on, you know, body count. Yeah. I don't know, nudity, <laughs> nudity. <laughs> you know, we'll, we'll come up with something. But just, yeah, just, an, just, just an idea uh, that we could look yeah. into. Uh, but if you guys are looking to reach us, you can do so a number of different ways. You can email the show at handlewithscarepod at gmail.com. You can find our website at www.handlewithscarepod.com. We do have our Discord. The link will be in our show notes on that front. Uh, but if you would like to find us on Twitter, you can do so at handle Whiskare. Uh, as for myself, Totally Drunk, you can follow me on Twitter at Totally Drunk CTR, where you can find me uh, drunk rambling every Friday as long as the last driving is on. And uh, friendly reminder this week uh, and the episode for this week is actually a season finale for the last driving. So that's going to be a very bittersweet double feature this week in that case but vash how can our listeners get a hold of you via social media you can check me out on twitter at vashti leah b and i'm usually talking about sports but since sports is or sports and horror but since sports is on a hiatus right now because of our um because of the pandemic and us being you know, quarantined and um you know shelter in place um i have been talking more about horror and then other things and stuff like that. So come check us out on Twitter. Absolutely. So with that being said, I do want to leave you guys with one final note. 
obviously things are starting to open up a little bit more uh really around around the states and the globe that does not mean that we're we're clear out of the woods at, at this point Thank uh you. so please keep that in mind also since the theaters still are not open if you have a drive-in theater near you please yeah. Give them your business because I know I know the ones out by me have been playing a lot of classic movies. Uh, the one in Dixon, Illinois, is doing an Evil Dead uh, special event for two nights as well. But they've also been doing a ton of classic movies. Uh, and you know, honestly, you know, for talking drive-ins, business is hurting uh, really for are. for them, and there are fewer and fewer left. Because uh, yeah, I, I know here, by me, there's only, like, two. Yeah, here in California, I believe there's... Oh, well, here where I live, um, in the Bay Area, there's literally only one that I've been going to since I was a kid. And you'll find that in um, San Jose, more towards the south side, um, on Capital Expressway. It's called Capital Drive-In. It's really great. They're actually playing older movies, like Totem said, um, right now as well. Please go out and give them your business. Uh, for right now, they have double features going. They've had E.T. and Jaws and, you know, so, so sci-fi and stuff like that going on here. And then a few horror. And then they'll they'll double feature them with something else. And then they'll have stuff for the family. You know, two movies like maybe Trolls and then maybe like Shrek or something like that. That's a double feature. And uh, the one where I live in the Bay Area, it has, I think, four, four or five screens. Um, so that's why they have those double features there. So go check them out and please give them your love and your business because they are hurting and they need it and they are a small business. Absolutely. So definitely go support them. And uh, with that being said, guys, I do want to thank you again for joining us tonight on a special Monday edition of Handle with Scare. This has been episode number five. I've been your host, Totally Drunk, joined as always by my co-host Vashti. And we will see you guys back this weekend. Have a good night. Have a good night, everybody.